Follow What Was The Score podcast at WWTS underscore podcast on Twitter and follow me personally on Instagram at JME underscore F-U-R-N-E-S-S. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome back to What Was The Score, the sports history podcast. Today's question is a good one. What is the only sport to have been played on the moon? What's the only sport to be played on the moon? Now, today's chat is with the great Paul Nicholson of the Plymouth Raiders. He's been a basketball coach for over 10 years now, and we get into the British youth basketball development pathway, and we start comparing it to football, to America, and we start looking at some of the, some of the positives of it, and, and the way that sport can bring a community together, and how vital sport is to young people. So, sit back, enjoy this one, it's a great chat. And the only sport that's been played on the moon is golf. Thank you. Enjoy this one. Much like politics, the pathway into sports can take many different forms, some favouring certain demographics and providing benefits, some others. Now, that's very true of the pathway into, into sports, the way it can impact people in inner cities, where it can impact people in the countryside. But here to discuss this today with regards to the British basketball system with me is Paul Nicholson. So Paul's been a National League coach since 2009, coaching Basketball England Regional Basketball five times, the 2012 Den Camp and Elite Camp, and a four times Hoop Group Elite. In 2016, you've been a developmental coach with Plymouth, and a co-commentator there. And as you was just saying, you've done pretty much every every role in the club. Paul, thank you for being on today. No, thank you very much for having me. I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm actually really enjoying stuff like this right now because it's it's not very often the basketball world in the UK gets and, and takes this opportunity to share and to listen and to learn. And, you know, having, having podcasts here, there and everywhere are actually a really positive thing. So, yeah, certainly more than happy to come on. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I think um, that's a thing from the summer. You know, the social media for British basketball has really, really developed recently. And it's good. It's a good way of building narrative and uh, getting the league out there. Yeah, for sure. 100% agree with that. You know, can't can't fault what's going on right now one one bit. Mm, definitely. So let's get straight into it. And um, can you explain your system at Plymouth for me with perhaps a hypothetical timeline of the youngest you take a kid in and, and where they'd go by the time they leave you? Yeah, okay. I'll try and... Um because it could go on quite a long time. So I'll try and uh, cut it down where I can. So in, in Plymouth, you've got the, the two core um, organizations and these are separate organizations, but with the same name. So you have Plymouth Raiders, which is the BBL side, the pro club. And you also have Plymouth Raiders Development. Okay, uh, Plymouth Raiders Development is an organized charity. Um, it's, it's self-funded. Um, it uses a brand Plymouth Raiders. It, it's got coaches who do both. Um, and yeah, we, we support each other. But regarding the timeline, so Plymouth Raiders, the, the pro side, they run everything from uh, sort of tops balling, kind of like mini ballers type thing, uh, where you're talking under sevens. Uh, they run under 12s, under 14s. And there was plans for under 16 CVL before COVID kicked in. Um, so that's all the central venue league, the Plymouth Raiders development run under 12s, under 14s, under 16s, under 18s. Um, and then on top of that, you have the Plymouth Raiders Academy and you've got the partnership with Plymouth College and Plymouth Marjon University. 
So in theory, you know, there's nothing stopping you from being six years old, taking part in a basketball session, and then later down the line, getting a degree at Marjon University and playing pro. Okay, you know. fabulous. Yeah, and of course, that's like quite distinct about the, about the British system for basketball is that we kind of take a bit of a hybrid between the American college system and the uh, and and the British almost football system. So if yeah. we compare the US model and and the British model, where do you think with regards to Plymouth? Because of course, for Plymouth, it's hard to attract big name players to get them to move down to Plymouth. What kind of benefit do you think that that, that system has for you? Um, I think for us, it's it's just putting our money where our mouth is in a way and just showing people that that we have a ladder and we have a pathway. Because, you know, if you're a young basketball player, you're ambitious, right? You're, if you're a local player and you're doing it for fun, that's fine, there's a session for you. If you're a local player and you want to take it further, there's sessions for you. But if you're from somewhere else and you really have a dream to play basketball, you need to understand that there's a pathway to take a, a step ladder say you know and, and we provide a step at every point of this ladder to make that process easier you know we can't guarantee you're gonna be successful <laughs> you know but what we can say is hey look if you put everything in you can come in at a young age you can take the next step then we've got somewhere for you to go after that then we got somewhere for you to go after that. And it's funny you say it about the American system, because when I spent some time over there with some camps and I started telling some parents, I spent some time with just some parents watching some basketball and explained our club system to some American high school parents. They were like, wow, we would love that. We would absolutely love that because they have this feeling of their child being a product and being part of a, a cattle market where they go to these recruitment camps, they go to these AAU tournaments and their child is a commodity. And if their child does well at sports, maybe they go get, they go to college. If their child isn't very good at sports and their family don't have enough money, where do they go? Mm. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because Darcy Frey writes in, in the last shot, which follows uh, Lincoln, uh, high school um, yeah. you know Ray Allen came out of it Stephon Marbury he makes it so abundantly clear for a lot of kids in Coney Island they see basketball and getting a full ride scholarship is the only way out yeah for sure like 100% you know um, I've done some work at a high school in Florida um, a Coey high school so I did some stuff there with the guys and some of these kids who are really really talented they're not quite D1 yet there may be D2 level, but unfortunately D2 aren't doing scholarships. So they then maybe got to go to a junior college or, or whatever and, and find a different path. But there's so much pressure on the parents to, to put their kids into sport and for their kids to be good at sport for them to go on and do anything. Of course, it's not the same for every child. It is very different. But when I explained our club system to a load of parents, they were like, that is such an amazing idea. So the kids can focus on school, focus on schoolwork. Then they go to basketball and they stay and they develop and they move up in the system. And then one day they have an opportunity to, to move on. Mm. And 
uh, there's there's strengths on both sides. There's no doubt about it. You know, there's, there's there's strength on both sides. But with our system on how popular basketball is, what we do, I think, works. Mm. If if you try and go down that American system, I think it'd be very difficult for us in the UK to do that. I, I think uh, we could. I think we could get away with it with football because yeah, sure. what what you what you're relying on is a player pool. Because, of yep. course, the, the American system breeds so much competition that you really start picking and choosing. And, of course, yep. you know, sometimes that selection process is wrong. You know, I mean, Duncan Robinson's the only D3 player currently in the NBA. But then you look yep. at Jimmy Fredette, who was incredible at college, barely made barely made the NBA. JJ Redick was regarded as one of the greatest college players ever. And he's a fine NBA player, but he's nothing on what he was at Duke. So, of course, I, I think perhaps we could get away with it in football, but football in, in much the same sense as, um, as the system you're describing really does work on the club system and it really does try to protect the best interests of the kids, which I think is the important point. That, that's the key. You know, every kid and every family is in a different situation. And the biggest thing for me is figuring out what's right for them and not just sending them here, there and everywhere because loads of kids over here have that American dream. Mm. And, I, and I never stop them from chasing it because it's, I get it. I completely get it. But what you need to advise them is you need to find the right fit for you. You can't just go oh, America basketball. Let's go. Because it could be an awful school. You could have an awful coach. You could be second, third, fourth string guard, and you never get a minute mm. just because you wanted to try and live that American dream. You've got to figure out, is it the right school for you? Is it the right situation for you? Is it financially good for your family? Mm. Uh, and the club system kind of avoids that. And there's no no stopping any player from going to another club. Mm. You know, there's no stopping, you know, you see it all the time. Kids are going to different academies and things like that because they feel it's a better fit for them. So yeah. you can still, you know, you can still do what you think is good for you. Mm. But if you want to stay at home, stay with your family, there's a system for you. Yeah. And I think Justin Robinson would support what you just said because he often talks about how he really didn't enjoy his time at Ryder and how he didn't have a good time there. But um, So I, I said that Plymouth, being in Plymouth, where it is geographically, is a bit difficult yeah. for you. How much, could that be a benefit for you for player retention? Because once you've got them, where, where else can they go? I don't know what the Southwestern, you know, <laughs> what the Lila Landis was there. But. I, I, I know what you said, yeah. So, like, in the Southwest, there's some really good programs. You know, you you got Hewish, which is a fantastic program. Uh, have loads of kids come through their system. Uh, obviously, you got Bristol Flyers, you got Plymouth. Uh, yeah, you can go into Wales and you got Vale and places like that. So, you know, there is, there's plenty of, of basketball in the Southwest. Um, and once you, once you have a player in Plymouth, you're right. It's very rare. They may go to Torbay. Torbay is 40 minutes away. Yeah, but if they want to go to Bristol, it's two hours away. Mm. Uh, so you, you do get that a little bit, so you can retain them. But as coaches in our program, we don't want to rely on that. Like we want to be we want to be the reason they stay because they're getting well coached and they're getting a good program and they can see light at the end of the tunnel. They can see what happens when they leave under 16s. They know about the under-18s. They know about the academy. Uh, they know about Marjon University. And that's why we want to keep them here. We want to keep them here because we feel that we can give them the best experience. Um, in, you know, I know it's, it's different depending on leagues because you've got the conferences and you've got the premiers and 
and sometimes you will have players that are maybe above the conference level. Uh, and then you can you can enter your team in the Premier, you know, as long as you've got some longevity there. Mm. Um, so I think once you have guys here, you know, we've had plenty of pros and plenty of academy guys here over the years. That once they get here, they really enjoy it. It's, it's you know, it's a nice place, um, especially if they want to just focus on a basketball with limited distractions. Yeah, well, that, that's brilliant. And I mean, the, the reason I say that is because I'm in the southeast. And if I was, you know, a 13, 14 year old boy, um, I, I'm looking at Essex Rebels. I'm looking at, uh, you know, perhaps go up to Cambridge for Long Road, you know, even mm-hmm. not a million miles away from Charnwood, any of the London programmes. So it's interesting that you say, of course, you know, you've got Bristol and if you really wanted to push it, you've got Cardiff Met, not too far. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You know, you're still talking two hours, two and a half hours or whatever to Cardiff. Yeah, uh, you know, but it's... It is a bit out on the sticks, but <laughs> it's we, we have plenty of guys here playing basketball from a young age, and we have plenty of guys who come down. Uh, you know, so I think with having the pro club, we've already got a name and a brand out there that mm. when someone looks at Plymouth, they think Plymouth Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant then. That's brilliant. Um, so compared to football more directly, is there anything that you would change about the British system to be more like football? Do you think there's anything that the football system can take from the way that basketball and the way that Plymouth operate? Because, of course, football's the biggest sport in the country. And uh, yeah. you know. and that, that's never going to change, is it? Let's be honest. It's, <laughs> no, it's always, no. it's, it's always going to be. Um, yeah, good for that. You know, and that, that the thing that I think is great about football is if you are a mum and a dad and you want your son or daughter to play sport, it's the first thing you think about because it's so accessible. Mm. There's so many projects and clubs and there's so many, I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. There's so many parents who think they know a lot about football <laughs> and a lot of them do, yeah. right? So they're, they're willing to coach and they're willing to help out and they're willing to assist and they're willing to run a Saturday club or whatever, where basketball is more niche in the UK that maybe in a small place like Plymouth, the only people who are going to understand enough about the game to put on a Sunday morning club are people that really love the game. Mm. So you're, all of a sudden you're, you're thinning out your, your base of people to pick from. Um, yeah. So I, I would like to see more of this, more of the, just the fun stuff at a young age. Mm. Like this is why we started like a, a mini borders type system where, where kids like, five years old, six years old, can just go in a sports hall, be surrounded by basketballs and small nets and just play and have fun and throw it and bounce it and, and do everything but kick it, you know, <laughs> and just just have loads of fun doing it. Um, and then also trying to get parents involved in those younger sessions and, you know, because you need the volunteers, you, you know, you, mm. need, you need those helpers to, to help it grow. You can't just rely on the people that play the game. Well, otherwise it's a closed circuit, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one thing I like about, say here in Plymouth, Plymouth Argyle have a great academy system and and all of the players there, they, they sign up to the local college, which is the same college that our academy programs with, uh, City College, but all of their education is done at Plymouth Argyle. So, like that that is so appealing if i could turn around to all of my academy players and say right all of your education is going to be done at the plymouth raiders arena 
and it's all going to be your SNCs there, your trainers there, your educations there. Like that's going to be amazing. Like, to, be able, to be able to do something like that is great. Mm. Um, and to, to just to look the part and feel the part, you know, have the funding that football get to provide all of these kids with all the gear that they want rather than forcing yeah. them to pay money to get the gear. Yeah. Every, every kid wants a, wants a tracksuit with their initials on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think all the coaches do as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so coach Matt Harbour kind of sums up what you're saying here because he said that we coach and, and Basel is a return investment. We coach so that the kids we coach will go, will go on and coach. And yeah. of course that, that, that need, that's where the difference is with with football is a lot of parents are comfortable doing it as you say yeah and you but a lot with what i've noticed parents like to keep it they're willing to be supportive but they'll stay at an arm's length i bet if i walk down my street now where i live there's about 20 houses in the street and i can knock on every door and say hey did you see the game last night what's the score and they'll they'll tell me the football score yeah i have a guarantee if i ask about basketball i think maybe one tops and that's only because it's my next door neighbor will have any idea about the basketball you know and this is where this lockdown period and and all the media and the tiktok and the sky stuff is is going to be huge because it's just getting people aware that basketball exists Mm. the amount of people who live in a basketball place do not even know the game exists where they live yeah well i I was blessed with having chanted lines in my city and then they obviously folded recently from d4 Mm. But um, I've been living in Cambridge and uh, it, it, truth be told, I, I love basketball. It wasn't until I arrived in Cambridge and started attending Anglia Ruskin that I realised that our women's programme is exceptional and our men's yeah. programme competes in Division 3, which is still a very, very respectable level of basketball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I was living in a little village in Cornwall called Landrake, which is it's only a few miles from Plymouth when I was younger. And I picked up a basketball because I saw it on Sky um, it was, you know, the, whatever league it was at the time and the NBA was on and then Harry, the Harry Bow League or Derrity Dunkers or whatever it was um, and I started playing basketball in the back garden I had no idea but in Plymouth at that time there was two clubs in Plymouth Cannons and Raiders they were both had Division 2 programmes Raiders had a pro team they both had under 18s Premier they both had under 16s Premier I had no idea mm. not a clue and we only found out about it because one day my dad picked up a local paper and saw Plymouth Raiders in the back page. And there you go. <laughs> and so you that's all it took. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. since then, I've been at every game and, you know, I was sat front row as a fan and, you know, went to all the camps and all this. You know, they even had NBA camps in Plymouth. They had a camp called NBA Mad Skills, which toured the whole of the UK. Mm. You know, and that's where I went to a camp and got picked up by a, a Raiders junior player who said I was good enough to try out and there you go I think actually Jay Marriott was working that camp <laughs> he was a, he was an under 18s junior player at the time and he was working that camp and I was younger and I went there and I next thing I know I was trying out for the under 16s yeah simple as that simple as that but there's the something that you mentioned earlier that I really do want to pick up on mm-hmm. is that you want to get the kids in the hall just playing yeah and I sure. think it's so key to have that separation of this is fun with basketball and this is coaching because if I think, yeah, if I think back to my time at at school, it was always coaching. It was always coaching. It was never a case of let's go and have fun. And even then with the way that basketball set up in the parks, more often than not, you will go down to the park and just work on your shot. There's not a lot really more you can do. So I think 
that normalizing basketball is so vital oh yeah like the biggest thing for me because it's niche right because the coaches are normally people who've played the game you go to a that coach will then go to a school and they'll try and coach and maybe two kids play basketball but the other ones are still learning so you could coach and it could be too complicated for the majority or you could dull it down and it's not very fun for the two who could do it well and it's trying to find that medium and if like we used to run just a pay and play session so we did it for the older guys and for the younger guys where you cut turn up you pay two quid put you in teams who scrimmage or you turn up you pay two quid there's a basketball there's a sports hall fill your boots and we just supervise and let them play uh, and national league players weren't invited to that one that was just for guys who just wanted to turn up play the game didn't want the commitment yeah well maybe didn't want to commit or maybe were too scared to to be in a team session maybe they were not quite experienced enough maybe they only started playing basketball at 15 years old mm. you know it's for guys like that who just seen it and want to try it because it can be an intimidating place when you have a 15 year old who's just started playing and the only option for him is a national league team yeah definitely but but no but that's exactly it actually because football you find has that autonomy people tend to play with people that are around their level in the park it, yeah. it levels itself out and of course with, with basketball there's so many fine rules it really is hard to kind of infiltrate that when, yeah. when you're playing with players yeah for sure i think you know because of the detail of the game uh, because of the perception of how complex it is um i think it makes yeah it makes life really difficult some of the best times playing is uh grabbing a ball going down this playground with my mate practicing dunking on an eight foot hoop and just having some fun yeah like, those are some of the best memories i've got with basketball it's just having fun and feeling like i'm doing something i enjoy if i got thrown into a national league session at 15 years old when i first started I, <laughs> there's no way I'll, there's no way i'll be here now doing this no yeah. way i'll be too scared i'll get put off mm. Definitely. Well, exactly. It. You know, you typified it perfectly. Um, but if, if we're looking a little bit wider from your yeah. experiences, what's the kind of the importance of youth sport on young people? Um, I think it's really vital for, for different reasons. You know, if, if we take pandemic out of it for now and just sure. say, you know, guys are playing sport and they're learning teamwork, discipline, um, sharing. Um, being supportive, they're, they're learning about persistence, about working hard, about not giving up. They're learning about how to improve. They're, they're, they're doing all these different skills and motor skills, which maybe you just wouldn't get if you didn't do it. Maybe you wouldn't get that if you just sat at home playing Xbox or whatever, right? Even before games consoles, maybe you just wouldn't get that from staying at home playing Lego or whatnot. But just being around different kids who are, look different, shape different, um, who have different skill abilities, who talk different, just helps you learn and grow as a person. And it keeps you mentally, well, just mentally sane in, in a way. You know, that's where you bring the pandemic in. And I think you've just, all you've got to do is look around you for all these kids who've lived and breathed sport and now they can't go out and play it. They're pulling their hair out. Mm. They, they're really just, I've got some academy guys that are just struggling. They're just struggling without it because they've got no interaction with real life. 
well, we've got, got nothing around it. You're right. You know, and, and I think a big thing for youth sport, especially is the way that it can help build community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. So you look at, um, you look at any form of, they say that even a professional level or junior level, I used to, I used to take my dog out for a walk and I'd get to the local football pitch because it was just on part of my journey. Sometimes there's no game on. Sometimes there's a junior game on. I'll sit there for 10, 15 minutes and watch the kids play football. But I just, just watch it. I'll watch the coaches coach. I would, yeah, that was more of the geek side of me looking at it. Going, oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, that's a nice thing. I like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'll just watch. And, you know, you watch how happy the parents are and how happy the kids are. And you watch it when they lose and they walk to the car and the arm goes around them and, and all this sort of stuff, you know. And you just see human interaction and communities just pulling together because something positive happened. Um, you look at when World Cups are on and the, how the community gets together, you know, go to school sports day, you see everyone there. Um, I think it's massive like that, you know, and sport is, I, I've, I don't know, I'm not a parent, but me and my wife have sworn when we have children, they will play sport. They will try sport because we just want them to understand there's more than this screen in front of me, which we're on now, you know, and I, I know plenty of children who, who don't, and I just don't feel they're as developed as, as, as kids that do. I really don't. Well, there's no way in which it can harm you. Yeah. No. yeah i'm not saying that every every kid yeah. has to be an olympic athlete i'm just saying just try some sport yeah, nothing to lose throw a ball yeah <laughs> like climb a tree anything active just go for it 100 percent. now and the, the risk uh, i think many people face when they become parents is trying to live vicariously through their kids with regards to sport but of course if, if, if we, we give our you know the next generation the tools it's up to them to to craft yeah for sure um you know it's easy for me to say, yeah, if I have a son or a daughter, they're going to play basketball, whether they like it or not. <laughs> Probably won't if I do that. So, because because my mum and dad weren't sporty, my mum and dad weren't sporty. I, my brother's not that sporty. If I look through my generation of my family, I can find two or three guys that were sporty. One that is extremely, you know, gifted, who's a who's a football coach for uh, the Man City Academy, you know, and. I come from a long line of non-sporty people and I think if people threw sport at me, I probably wouldn't like it as much. Yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to let it naturally happen, but you're right. You've got to just give them the tools. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's that them. sense of self-determination amongst yourself. That's something that you've constructed for yourself, yeah. by yourself. Yeah. It's been, it's been inspired by others. Um, you know, I don't think I would have played basketball if my next door neighbor didn't like it either. Yeah. Because he looked like he was having fun doing it. When I looked over the wall, he was having fun and it looked really cool. Bounced the ball through his legs and slam dunk in and it looked cool. Mm. I, so I wanted to look cool too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, sometimes it's that easy. Mm. But I think within schools too, I've had the privilege of, work, of working in a couple of schools and teaching. And yeah. you could find the worst behaved kid in the school. I tell you, for, for that one and a half hours you have him for PE, mm-hmm. it'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. Oh God, and and he'll be fine when he goes home. You know, to mum and dad because he's burnt loads of energy and he's mentally stimulated. Uh, you know, and, and that changes so much, so so much. And and people also find heroes in sport. Yeah, the amount of Zoom calls we've done with some of our younger kids, 
it was someone's birthday the other day, a young 15 year old. And I did a surprise Zoom call with him, with, with Denzel Ubiaro. And he turns on his Zoom call and there's me and Denzel. And like, he was delighted. And he was, this was just before a game as well. And he was talking basketball with Denzel Ubiaro for, for 15, 20 minutes. And that's a hero now. He's yeah. going to watch him. He's going to now watch more basketball. He's going to want to be like him because he want to do his moves. He wants to make dunks that he does mm. and, and stuff like that helps. You know, it's so many avenues out of sport. Yeah. So many avenues. And they're, they're all so vital. So vital. So, you know, if, if we're going to wrap up the, the little bit about British basketball and the coaching system here, and we'll move into a, a couple of us, you know, bigger questions or more personal questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. What does the next five years look like for yourself and, and perhaps for Plymouth? Um, if I go for Plymouth first, I guess, um, yeah, well, obviously we've got, uh, a, a takeover, um, with the, with the Turkish owners coming in. Um, so that's, that was big for us. Mm. That happened towards the end of last season, just, uh, before the season got cut. So they, they have big ambitions and big dreams and they, they own a club over in Turkey, um, who also have big ambitions. Yeah, they're not not chucking in money left, right, and centre as much as people on social media think they are. Yeah, because you don't you don't become a billionaire for a reason, right? You, 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 don't, you don't come, you don't yeah, you don't throw away your money and become a billionaire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've got big dreams, and so have us, and, and, and all of us at the club, um, from general managers to, to physios to, to community coaches, we we want Plymouth to be at that next level in five years' time. We really want to be in Europe competing really want to and it's not just a pipe dream with no plan in place we want to put that plan in place and make that happen and, and below that we, we were planning on having a national league team in division three this season but obviously it got pulled out um so we would want that national league team now to be in maybe division one and then we would want another team in division three and we would want under 18s and academy at a higher level and same with under 16s you know, stuff that we talk about all the time and it's, it's stuff that we're building from the bottom at the same time, making sure the stuff at the top's in the right place as well. So I guess that would be the plan. It's just for, for the club to be successful. Um, and, and we've got to start that now. Uh, and I think people will notice by, by the players that we're signing at the BBL level. Um, you can tell that we're, we've got big dreams and we, we, we've signed some very good players with, with good reputations. The, the junior level, the numbers have never, before COVID kicked in, the numbers have never been as high uh, for a long time. You know, so we've got, I think, 20-odd kids in the academy. Uh, there's two teams at Marjon University. There's two under-16s teams. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're certainly, we're heading in the right direction. It's, it's what, how we deal with it outside of what's going on now. Yeah. Uh, for me... <laughs> it's a really tough one because actually if you asked me this six seven months ago my answer is simple is i want to be where pj is right now yeah i want to be where coach paul james pet james is that that's it you know I, I was a plymouth boy and i played for the junior program i watched it as a fan last year was dream come true i got to sit on the bench and, and coach in the bbl um behind danny mcgee and, and paul james and that, that would have been the dream. Since lockdown kicked in, I'm finding, I'm finding enjoyment in, in other avenues, 
which I never thought I would find. Um, so I'm doing a lot of the media stuff with uh, one of our other members of staff, Rebecca. I'm doing podcasts. I'm, I'm doing video editing. Um, I've just trying to figure out TikTok for the life of me. For the last two days, I've now joined TikTok and I'm on like two videos in, pulling my hair out with that. Um, so I'm really enjoying the media side of things and, and the commercial side of it. So I want to be able to do both. <laughs> and, and it's going to be very difficult to do both really, really well. So I think five years time, I, I still want to be with the club. I can't see myself working in any other club in the UK. I'm, I'm, I'm a one club guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a Plymouth guy. I, I don't think I can do it you know, just because it's been my dream to be here where I am now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to be coaching and I, I think I'd like to be doing what I'm doing now just at a higher level. Yeah. Yeah, just continue to grow and develop. Yeah, I think things will change over the years. Uh, I'm interested to see where this pathway goes doing the media stuff because I've, I've quite enjoyed it. It's been fun. Yeah. Um, and, and now with Sky coming in and things like that, actually there's light at the end of the tunnel for people who enjoy this sort of thing. Yeah, well, Mike Tuck said a very similar thing. You know, he's really enjoying getting behind the uh, the media side of, of, of things. Yeah. Lockdown's been the perfect example to do that, a uh, perfect time to do that, rather. Yeah, I love I love Mike Tucker. What he's doing at the minute, he's he's brilliant. Um, he's for the screen, isn't he? Yeah, he, he he loves it, and we we've had a bit of banter me and him on on things like Twitter and stuff like that. Because um, I, I loved when he was talking about, do you know, when the BBL buzz stuff? They hey, who's the best player? And Mike's like me. Yeah, who's the best dribbler? <laughs> me. <laughs> like I love that stuff. Um, and he's yeah, he is really really good at what he does, and I'd love to be in that position of of jumping on sky and doing commentary and things like that because i just quite enjoy it yeah because you're, you're talking about something you love you're, you're editing videos for the game that you love you're coaching for the game that you love like jesus it's, it's not that much of a job actually you know i end up i end up putting hours in all over the place like my wife kills me because i'll be up at 11 o'clock at night recording podcasts like we got one tonight and i'm gonna be recording it editing it and I'll, i won't be tired because i'm enjoying it it's fun yeah, yeah. No, that, well, that, that, that's brilliant. And that's <laughs> what more can you want? <laughs> exactly. I, there, there's a lot to be said for that. I worked in sales for 10, 13, 10 to 13 years, roughly. Uh, a lot of pressure, a lot more money that I, I was on than I'm on now. I won't lie. Stressful, tiring. You never own us. You never know. Yeah, it was, it was tough. It was, it was a tough gig. Um, I took a, a mighty cut on money at the time. Um, don't regret it one bit. My lifestyle's changed a little bit, but I'm happier. Yeah, you know, and it's I'll, I'll, that advice for anyone in basketball: if you can get paid to do what you love, man, you fill your boots, you crack on, because there's nothing like it. Generally, there's nothing like it. Yeah, you got to feed the soul, don't you? Yeah, for sure. And I, and I, you don't realize that until you, you experience it. Yeah, you know, and, I, and it was a big risk with a mortgage and with a family and things like that to to take less money. But I don't regret it for for a second. Oh, perfect! I'm glad to hear that. Definitely. So you know, there's the slight in the tone <laughs> a bit. Yeah, sorry, just get a bit get a bit deep there. <laughs> oh, it's, it's lovely. It's, it's nice to get you know honest and frank answers. Um, Plymouth, out the way. We yes. need a point a bit. What's the worst away game? Because Mike Tuck said that Plymouth and Glasgow are the worst away game. So I think I know the answer. But hey, look, if Mike's listened to this, right, and and. Hey, Mike, you've got to do this journey once or twice a season. 
we got to go everywhere <laughs> every week. It's you know, Glasgow is okay when we were flying. Mm. Like, how about trying to play in Newcastle, driving seven hours, playing an evening game, and coming home at six in the morning? And then you've got to go to Leicester. Oh, six hours. Then you've got to go to Cheshire. Ah, oh, six hours. Right? There's Bristol, two hours. Oh, my days. I love it. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we spend longer on a coach than you would do on, like, long-haul flights. Because, you know, I can go through a couple of films and we still haven't made it to Cheshire yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. The two hours, to me, in perspective, for university, going from Cambridge to, to Leicester's one and a bit. And, you know, that's yeah. what the the longer ones for me, but you know, yeah, that, that's a, that's different. Great. Yeah, you know, London seems seem to get trains everywhere. Well, yeah. I like the idea of that as well. Um, uh, the bank account doesn't know. Yeah, exactly that. Um, you know, I remember when we went up to London, it's by car, four hour drive to the copper box, roughly. Um, we went up there and 10 minutes into we left huge accident. It took us seven hours to get to London um we got there 20 minutes before tip off played a game tired legs this was last season uh lost the game come home four in the morning that that that's tough yeah that is tough mentally and just for your body is it's exhausting well you know about uh, it next day for sure uh and double headers as well you know we're, we've had close games recently where we've had to go to leicester back down the plymouth one day in between play a game you know so yeah it's every, every journey's tough when you get used to it in Plymouth the players don't but the, the no. staff we, we get used to it yeah yeah well there you go then <laughs> every journey is your answer yeah every journey but uh Newcastle by coach is hard mm. yeah yeah I imagine it, it gets a lot colder up there when you get out so yeah we're not used to that no. <laughs> so with regards to your, your coaching if you, yeah. could, uh, you know, I, I, I've coached, I, I know what my favourite drills are. If there's one drill that you could deliver, um, if you only could choose one, what would it be? That's tough. Mm. Uh, that's a very tough question. So I would, because again, this question depends on how good the kids are. <laughs> <laughs> I would potentially go three on two continuous. Love the drill. Simple. Teaches spacing teaches shooting because you shoot the open shots because you've got an extra man teaches the extra pass teaches defending against the odds uh teaches transition teaches on ball defense teaches beating your man one-on-one -on -one, drawing defenders uh guys get to close out uh because you've got less less players on defense so you're going to close out a lot more and you've so you've got to work on your footwork to get that right uh passing passing ahead passing with purpose i think yeah, for me, three on two continuous has got multiple elements and it's competitive. And that's the most important thing is competitive. So you can work on all these skills whilst being competitive. That would probably be if I chose one drill. That yeah, that that's the one. Mm. And you know, I, I would add on to that. You, every time I've done that, I've had to be paying so much attention. Because if mm -hmm. that rebound comes down and you're on your on the wing and you're not paying attention, you're behind the play and you're not getting yep. I also, I, I make a rule. So I don't know how you people run three on two continuously different sometimes. Um, but we have a rule. So the three guys are attacking. Um, 
if you score, two of you stay to play defense, one goes to the next line, yes. to the out there line, right? So, but if you score, you pick who stays and you've right. got to make a decision and send that person, like you yeah. go, right? If you turn over the ball or you miss the shot, you're the one that goes. Okay, so you have to take responsibility on your misses and it encourages people don't want to leave the floor on a three on two continuity or they want to stay and play. So they take smarter shots um, and then they've got to talk to their teammates and then they've got to make their teammate feel bad because they're going to send a teammate to the line. Yeah. I've scored so I can only keep one of you. And you don't just keep your friends because what will happen is, is it'll come round again and the kid that you sent to the line is going to now send you to the line because he scored. Yes. So it, it, it just adds an extra element to it, uh, gets the communication going with guys and they take some form of verbal responsibility as well, which is quite good. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the drill. Um, it, it tends to be a little pitched a little uh, at higher levels and, and older kids, but you get it running, you know, it's one that you can really sit back and approach. Yeah. Even with younger guys, you could do it to the half court so that, that you know, you could, you can just, three guys can pass the ball up yeah. to the halfway line. They can then run back and you just chuck on two defenders, make it really, really simple. And yeah. then next five, do it again. And, and you can make it as simple, as complex as you need to. Yeah. You can add in extra players to it. Yeah, you could do three on two plus one and add in an, an extra guy. And you've got to take advantage of of the numbers while she can before the other player recovers. And there's loads you can do with it. Mm. So yeah, I think that that's certainly one that I love doing and it always gets a good response to training when we when we run that drill as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, as I say, I love it. You know, it's it's, it's one that I've always done. Yeah, great drill, great pick. Um, and of course, during that we spoke about a lot of lot of skills in basketball. If you had to pick one, and of course that's such a you know it, it's a cruel question because if it was that simple, everyone would be good. If you had to pick one skill to look to cultivate, what do you reckon that would be? So are we talking like? Basketball specific skills like yeah. passing, yeah. dribbling, shoot. Okay, shooting. Yeah, shooting. You know, you 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 can shoot if you can shoot the ball at a high level. You'll find yourself in a team. Yeah, you'll find yourself a team. Don't even need to dribble it, catch it, shoot it. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. You could be an absolute zero in every other category. I mean, yeah. not that Clay Thompson is, but Clay Thompson had what sixty on eleven dribbles. Yeah, I, I remember showing that one to my to my kids, um, just to educate them a little bit on the on moving into space and to creating space to to get your shot off and things like that, um, to transition looks and things like that. You know the way the game is going. If you can't shoot the shot, you're, you're going to struggle. Yeah, you're going to yeah. struggle. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really um, clever answer too, because of course kid here's let's go practice shooting well that's what they do anyway it only reaffirms that what they've been doing is the yeah. right thing and implicitly within that you're teaching yourself moving spacing because if you're getting contested all the time you will start to figure it out yeah for sure you your timing your your footwork your balance hand-eye coordination you just but it's fun it's fun for kids as well it's fun and it keeps them engaged like you know like you just saying keeps them engaged i pick up a ball i want to shoot it that's what i want to do yeah. Kids turn up to a sports hall. As soon as they walk in, they grab a basketball, they chuck it up from the halfway line. They just want that ball to go in that hoop. That's all they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Gone in the days of teaching kids the mic and drill. Yeah. <laughs> I love that drill. Well, struggle, yeah. to de struggle to demonstrate it, but I still yeah. like it. Oh, I get the kids to demonstrate for me to save the embarrassment. Yeah. Safe. It's always a safe way. 
so you know let, let's wrap up uh, oh no i've got one more actually and this is a question that my dad and i have this debate i ask everyone motor racing is it a sport see i thought about this for a long a long time <laughs> okay i'm gonna go yes level dependent okay because it can be physical i'm sure i'm sure it can be physical um yes there's so much technology involved but hand-eye coordination uh the stamina you know i, I flip neck i drive down the road and i'm knackered yeah. <laughs> um I, I and there's competitiveness in it as well of course mm. i think for me i'm not a big motor racing fan and one thing which puts me off it is the fact that the cars are so flipping clever and there's so much stuff done on computers puts me off watching it to get the unexpected and the unknown yeah because you, you you know that guy's going to win because he's got the best car so he's probably going to win nine times out of ten as long as he doesn't crash or have an incident. yeah yeah of course yeah but yeah i like i like the unpredictability of of sport without technology yeah the chaos but, of it. but I, I yeah i would still class it as a sport but it depends yeah. on what level of course for sure of course and then kind of thinking on the other side of the coin, and this is just off the top of my head, what about darts? <laughs> I love darts as well, but right. I don't wa I don't watch darts. I love playing darts. Okay. I um I would class that as a as a skill and a hobby, personally. A game. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. I'll go I'll go to the pub, I'll have a game of darts. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll have a game of darts against somebody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know obviously the hand eye coordination stuff, the fine motor skill there, yeah. But yeah, to, for to sure. look at Phil Taylor and say he is classified the same as Mo Farah, it's no. <laughs> somewhat disrespectful to Mo Farah, no. but of course, no disrespect to Phil Taylor. But I, I uh, so I was at, when I was a sales rep, I was at a trade show, and the special guest of the trade show was Phil Taylor. Mm. And, he, and he was picking guys to play darts against. So you, you you got to play six darts against Phil Taylor or whatever. Man, that's unbelievable, that guy. Yeah. Like, he would literally just tell me what he's hitting and he hits it. Like, unbelievable. But, no, it's, it's, it's a fun game. It's yeah. a fun game. And repetition is the mother of all learning, and that's the key for that one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's wrap up the, the main bit of the talk. And uh, this, this is kind of a... In this example, so it's a chance for you to to show off and, and uh, take a bit of credit for your um for your skills. If you were to pick a starting five of players that you've had the privilege of coaching, what does that starting five look like? So I, this was fun. I've I've enjoyed doing this. I've even got a sixth man. I've got it on my phone okay. here. Yeah, <laughs> because I couldn't leave this kid out. Just gotta love him to bits. Um, so I've got kids that I coached, and I've got kids that I felt that I was part of their journey. Mm -hmm. because I'm not taking credit for some of these guys as you know to how good they are I just point them in the right direction so if I start off with the ones that I have coached um, my free man is a guy called Tom Elliott Smith so he played under 18s premier with me and under 16s prem he went to Coldwell University uh, division two he, he did play a few games with Raiders a couple years back um uh, when I think when Jay when Jay Marriott was coaching as well, uh, good big, uh, good work ethic. Uh, just if he was a little bit more mobile, 
he probably would have gone quite far, but he's also an extremely, extremely smart boy. And he's, he's certainly earning a lot of money um, in sort of the law business um, than he was, would be with basketball. But he would be my free man. So Tom Elliott Smith, he did play for England juniors as well. Um, I'm then going to go with my two guards. And the reason I picked this guy, I didn't, I wasn't part of his youth development, but for the last two or three years, we've spent multiple six o'clock in the morning sessions working on shooting um, and, and spending the whole, whole summer off season doing this is Denzel Ubiaro. So in the summer, me and Denz used to go to Marjons at six in the morning. We would take at least thousand shots before the rest of the guys, BBL guys turned up for training. Um, I've got loads of images and videos from it on the YouTube and some of the drills that we did on my YouTube site. Um, a sneaky plug there. Yep. Uh, but De Denzel Ubiaro would be my number two. And I think I've spent enough time with him to put him on my list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. My sixth man. I'm straight. I'm going to the sixth man now mm -hmm. because the rest of the guys are ones that I may, didn't necessarily coach for a long period of time. So my sixth man is Joey Murphy. Joey Murphy is in Adams State University right now in Colorado. Uh, he, again, extremely, extremely hard worker, shoots the ball well, played for me under 16s, under 18s, and spent a lot of time with Joey. He joined in with lots of these dental sessions as well. So he would be my sixth man. Uh, and now we've got three guys here that I took to the hoop group camp with myself. So this is a camp that I attend every year. It's a, it's a college recruitment camp. Um, so it gives you opportunities, guys, to learn, see what the next level's like, and they get the opportunity to play in front of high-level college coaches and scouts. Um, I took these guys there for two weeks. Um, we live and breathe basketball there for two weeks and introduce them to people and get them talking about their game and try and really show them the next level. So my foreman is Nwedo Newbury. So Nwedo Newbury was also, he, for people, they would know him from uh, Hoops Fix stuff. They would know him from Den Camp. Um, but he got the number one draft pick at this Hoops, Hoop Group Camp. Um, and that was the last person to get a number one draft pick at that camp was Steve Bucknell. Right. And Ashley Hamilton got a number two pick at that draft as well. Years so ago, the same. He's in very, very good company. So... In that camp, we also had a conversation, and I'm still in dialogue with him now, is the coach from Princeton, who now Nwedo Newbury has now committed to Princeton. So he, he's definitely up there. Uh, my center would be Sam Chigbo. Sam uh, was Bristol Flyers Academy, went to Marskoff as well. Um, again, Dane Camp product. He was another one who came to this camp. Um, he's now at Blinn, I believe. Yeah. A lot of the Myers Cowboys went there. Yeah. Yeah. Must have a very good link. Um, yeah. Must have a very good link. But he got multiple offers to prep schools and stuff whilst he was at, at Hoops, Hoops Group. But he, he wanted to kind of get another year, um, kind of learn a bit. And that's what he learned from being there because he was against other big guys who were phenomenal, like D1 top prospects. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my point guard has to be can only be Alexander Distress. He is an absolute bucket. And he, he came to this camp, and me and Alex talk most weeks. 
Uh, he was just phenomenal at this camp. And he was so underrated because he was going up against really athletic D1 top ESPN top 50 prospects. And he held his own. Mm. Like he really held his own, but people were reluctant to pick him over these top prospects. We got him in contact with uh, an old Plymouth coach um, who actually is at Scotland campus. And, and that's where he is now, and he's absolutely killing it, and he's got loads of D1 teams looking at him right now. There you go. He also follows you know, me on TikTok, so... Yeah, he, he's a great kid. Um, all, the, all those guys are, are great kids, and that's probably the most important thing for me. Yeah. The, the, the guys who aren't Plymouth players are just guys that I've, have impacted me as a coach. And, you know, Alex, Sam, uh, and Noedo, I've had lots of conversation with them and their family. We did bus tours together around Philadelphia and all sorts of things. And we just had a whale of a time for a couple of weeks. And, and I hope that experience going to that camp put them in a position where they, they now can take take their next step. Yeah. Man, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. Thank you for putting so much effort into it. So it's a tough one though. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's one where I had to let you take the floor because I, <laughs> I can't tell you who you've coached. Um, where can people find you? Uh, right, so I'm on every social media channel available, I believe. I think so, anyway. So I'm, I'm on Twitter, so just Coach Paul Nicholson on Twitter, I think. Yeah, no, Paul Nicholson 84 on Twitter. Uh, this is how good I am at, at social media. I don't <laughs> even know my own Twitter handle. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm now on TikTok, Coach Paul Nicholson on TikTok living the dream uh, i've also got coach paul nicholson on youtube which is where i kind of put podcasts uh drills uh things like that so happy to chat and reach out and talk to anybody really i i, I just love speaking about the game and you know sometimes i don't know what i'm talking about or i speak to someone who completely blows my mind and knows a lot more than me but it doesn't matter it's just love talking about it um so yeah anyone can reach out to me at any point it's all about learning it's all it's, oh, yeah. all it's about oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> okay so and i want to thank you so much for coming on that was so insightful and it's uh it's great to talk to you and and, and to share in our passion yeah thank you very much i i love it you know and loving what you're doing and thank you i love the podcast that you've done and thank you. your your historical knowledge is great i love that sort of stuff thank you thank you for saying so and um on that note this has been what was the score the sports history podcast and i want to thank you all for listening and have a good day